You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yep. Welcome to the immediate postseason for the White Sox, anyway. Edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen, wearing my Jose Abreu shirt because maybe the last chance to do that uh, while he is a member of the team. With me, my son and uh, West Coast correspondent Will who is wearing a West Coast correspondent's uh, Seattle Mariners hat now that he has to pick a team that's actually in the playoffs instead of the one that was supposed to be in the World Series, uh, according to everything at the beginning. We are here. Uh, White Sox ended up 81 and 81 a week ago. I had said that 81 and 81 was the perfect final record to establish ultimate mediocrity. So I went. I went with 80 and 82 because we have not even been mediocre this year. We've been just below it, and the White Sox overachieved in the last week, despite that really stunning final game of the year, which I did not even bother turning on, Uh, which I I guess the only reason to turn it on would have been to see Abreu's last at bat as as a White Sox member. Um, I thought I was going to turn it on in time, got my times mixed up after traveling back to LA and got a notification that we had lost 10 to one. So, uh, I was, and it wasn't that close. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I, I think I was looking at the Tribune and the headline was White Sox lose final game and most, and it was their worst yet in an awful season. Uh, so just glowing reviews from, from the city of Chicago. Um, yes, I think uh, we have seen a Abreu play in a White Sox jersey for the last time. 
And they um, didn't put him out there. He did, he did not show up uh, at all on, on Wednesday's final game, apparently by his choice. Uh, but then he said, well, I want to look at it from a manager's perspective here. And then sat at the opposite end of the dugout from Miguel Cairo. So I, <laughs> what, what it may mean, I, I don't well, know. Well, hold the on. The way they talk, the way Rick Hunt's talking, the way Jose's talking, boy, you just don't have any sense he's coming back. There's no way he's coming back. He's going to want a two to three year deal. We won't give it to him. So he's not coming back. But the managerial thing, he was on the other end of the bench. Was he asleep? Because if he was asleep, <laughs> and he was getting a certain manager former material. manager's perspective <laughs> on what the White Sox games look like. Um, which, by the way, is the uh, elephant in the room or the elephant who's no longer in the room. Uh, but let's talk about that press conference before we move forward because yeah. this is weird. Yeah, we want to get into things like making really, really bad predictions on the playoffs uh, and into some maybe some dismal White Sox final numbers. But the press conference that was on Monday where Tony La Russa announced his retirement, retirement, retirement as somebody who's retired three or four times. I, I don't know if that's final or not, but uh, at any rate, for, for a totally arrogant jerk, the Hall of Famer baseball person did an excellent job of his closing speech. It was very For classic. a totally arrogant jerk. The White Sox 23-year-old intern did a great job with La Russa's <laughs> announcement. I, I don't know, if, it, I don't know if, if, if the team said, look, we'll pay you half an extra year's salary if you go out with class. But he did go out with class. I mean, credit to, it was a, it was a nice, classy final with the mea culpa, not blaming other people. Just to, it, was, it was good. And then on came Rick Hahn to prove that not only is he an at best mediocre general manager, but that he is a pathetic human being. He'd also already shown that when Larusa was shoved down his throat without being told about the second DUI even, and then it sprung on him and he never quit. A man with any self-respect, he and Kenny Williams both should have quit that day. They didn't. They're just horrible. But then Han comes out and Listen, if I thought that uh, I couldn't do the job well, I'd leave. Well, you've done the job really, really badly. And he didn't even throw in a, well, you know, we're all in this together. I There were some decisions there that uh, I'd love to have back. Now, don't throw, it, don't throw any individual under the bus. Just say there's some decisions I'd like to have back. Any general manager has decisions he'd like to have back. Why don't you say that? Nothing. Just like, just the, I mean, I guess... If we can't have an arrogant jerk manager, we'll have a young, incompetent, arrogant jerk general manager because we're stuck with him. I don't think there's any sense that Han and Williams are going anywhere. Which is absolutely absurd. They are they are a team of failures. I know that that Han didn't he win like a front office award thing a few years ago yeah, or something? Yeah, he did. And he brought that up. He brought that up in, in his closing speech. Well, we're the executive of the year. Uh, it was two years ago. Uh, executive of the year, so I, you know, like, well, I must know what I'm doing. I went, We all know that awards are often just crap, uh, and particularly and, awards like that. And isn't it actually more embarrassing to win executive of the year two years ago because of this rebuild, essentially, that you've done well, and then the rebuild dies in front of you? 
like, yeah, I, I think I would be humbled by the failure of this team this year, especially if I had won executive of the year two years ago. I mean, he is a terrible GM. He never should have won that meaningless award. Obviously, it went straight to his head. Uh, and Williams is non-existent. I, I mean, Williams is is absolutely what does, Ken, what does Kenny Williams do? I, I, I've seen that question raised numerous places, I'm sure. I'm not on Twitter, but you are. I'm sure that question has come up a great number of times. Probably the less he does, the better. The last thing, and I am going to write something about this later on, but the last good thing I can remember Kenny Williams doing. Maybe he's doing secret good things we don't know about. Oh, probably. But the last the last positive thing for the Chicago White Sox that Kenny Williams did was to trace Drake LaRoche off the field in spring training. That was a while ago. Yeah. I would argue he gave a nice speech at Canerco's retirement as well. We were there for that, the number retirement. He gave a nice speech at that. So, you know, he's done two somewhat interesting things over the last <laughs> whatever many years. Uh, he's just, he's non-existent. He's, he's useless. And the, the combo of Reinsdorf, Hahn, and Williams, I mean, that is, I, I'd rather have Laori leading off every day for the rest of my tenure as a White Sox fan than deal with these three jokers anymore. Like these guys are. And of course, Laori will pissed. lead off for the rest of your, your White Sox fandom lifetime because Han gave him a apparently 42 year contract. <laughs> what an insane contract. The money will be spent. Yeah. We'll throw it down this garbage bin of Laori. Yeah, we I mean, we are more largest, likely seventh largest payroll in baseball. I mean, specifically, you know, one thing that's interesting before the season, I looked at base uh, bullpen ratings, Major League Baseball, and I meant for now, but a bunch popped up from the beginning of the season. Once we're in the beginning of the season, had the Sox at like second or third best bullpen. It's the most expensive bullpen by far in the history of, of baseball. The stats at the end: twentieth in ERA, twentieth. And whip thirteenth in war. Uh, hey, at least they're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, they're back, and they're all back. They're all <laughs> back, all of them. This I've heard whole people freaking say, team is back, except heard, for heard, Abreu. Heard people say, "Well, well, you know, the one trade chip we've got is Liam Hendricks, and that's probably true. He probably won't be back." Uh, Kelly will be back, and Deke will be back, and on. Now, now uh, one who can will be back. Can you believe? Can you believe we still have Joe Kelly and Jake Deekman next year? I mean, that alone is just mind blowing to me. Uh, what? How? What alternate reality are we living in, in which we still have Joe Kelly and Jake Deekman next year? We are so screwed. We are so screwed. And yeah, oh, and, Hendricks and, and is good, but he's assuming he chooses to make thirteen million dollars. We've got AJ Pollock back. Honestly, guess- Pollock at thirteen million, he stinks. But that's that's not as big of a problem for me because he does show up sometimes. <laughs> Kelly and Deekman, I mean. That's an ERA next year, uh, nine and a half, ten. Uh, and for a team that doesn't hit home runs, score runs, 
That's a tough uh, bullpen to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got we've got Kendall Graveman, who was overpitched and ran out of gas at the end of the year. But other than that, actually had a pretty solid year. You got Lopez, who actually did a nice job as a reliever. Much, much better than could be expected. Much better. And then uh, Hendricks, who, you know, might be gone, especially after that press conference. He spoke out a little bit. Well, yeah, I want to get to that because Liam has – I mean, it's refreshing to have an Australian on your team. I mean, he speaks out. He speaks his mind. He speaks it intelligently. And and he talked about being hurt. He talked about – having to strike people out because you had no defense. And really, he's got to mean outfield defense because the infield defense is okay. Uh, but it's just okay. Yeah, it's just okay. <laughs> the outfield is horrible. Uh, the horrible, Let's see, the outfield uh, came in 30th. And, well, no, the Sox overall were 30th. It was their 28th. And, but the Fangraphs overall defense um, we're 28th in the air. I mean, we can go on and on and on about the defense. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the outfield the, defense. The thing that then gets to me is is what Hendricks said, we need an authoritarian. What do you think he meant? I mean, it sounds like everybody means, is just screwing off. Yeah. Well, this this comes back to what we've talked about this whole season. When we've gone to games early and seen the weakest form of pregame preparation that I've ever seen from a major league team. These guys do not seem in any way to be focused, to be driven, to be working on fundamentals. I mean, it takes work to be that bad at defense in major league baseball. I don't care what position you play and where they've thrown you. You're a pro baseball player. That means you've been playing this game your entire life, essentially. No excuse. No excuse. I I think what Liam said is exactly the team has no discipline. The team has nobody making sure. I mean, we had we had a a manager that said, "Don't hustle." As soon as you say that, uh, these are a bunch of twenty twenty three to twenty seven year old guys. When you tell them, "Don't hustle," you've made it to the big league. Don't hustle the first. Uh, it's all gonna go wrong we know this this is why from day one of t-ball the coach says we gotta hustle we gotta get out there and hustle and and why why the why the cleveland guardians hustle like crazy and way 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 overachieved they are serious overachievers because they hustle and because tony francona is a great man terry francona is a Terry, Tony, Tony, I'm getting, I guess somebody in there. Terry, <laughs> Terry Frank going for his dad. Uh, Terry Frank is a great manager. Uh, the other, yeah, <laughs> Steve Stone, I hear Steve Stone, uh, being interviewed and, and he said, well, it's, it's really, you know, you had the short, uh, you can't blame anybody because you had the short spring training and you didn't have time to teach defense and fundamentals. Apparently, the other 29 teams secretly had a longer spring training. Well, they did. Uh, the, the secret's out. They were in spring training for an entire year, and the White Sox only got a couple weeks, which is very unfair. If true, it's big. <laughs> if true, it's big news. Uh, yeah, I mean, what an absurd excuse. Just, you know, in classic stone being employed by the team fashion, not calling out La Russa, not calling out terrible management. 
I honestly would fire every single person in the clubhouse. In a minute, I, I would even fire Ethan Katz, and I know that I would, that I would say awful. if they would fire everybody, I would give up Ethan Katz to get rid of all of the rest. Exactly. Yes. If, if it, means, I would love to keep Ethan Katz, but I would give him up to get rid of all of the rest. They are absolutely just useless. I, and and I've you know I I don't take people losing their jobs lightly in any way, shape, or form. Those guys all need to find another another profession because they are pathetic. There was clearly no leader whatsoever on that coaching staff. Nobody took the lead. Those are all uh, former players or at, at the very least adult men hired in positions of power. At any point, one of them could have said, enough with this BS. We are going to become a fundamental team. We're going to start practicing harder. We're going to work harder. Never happened. One interesting thing that I that I did see commented by somebody in the no type, not just a, a fan, was one of LaRusse's very, very serious, perhaps most serious shortcomings, that he listens to nobody. And that included never listening to his coaches. And it's in the modern baseball, particularly because of all the stats you have to work back in, all the all the data, all the video. It's a collaborative thing, the coaches and the manager. They they work together and apparently Tony didn't work with anybody. Uh well, I could have told you that when the one and two intentional walks happened. <laughs> <laughs> Because if he listened, I, I, I sure hope there were five coaches in that dugout going, don't do that. And he clearly did not listen because that is, that's a telling sign that one guy was just running things in there. Uh, absolutely absurd. But yeah, I, it sounds though like Hendricks is saying, and, and some of the other pitchers, I mean, Cueto was fairly outspoken too. The, the, Kind of senior pitchers, the guys have been around a long time. Lynn had a few words to say. Uh, authoritarian would apply to the players. And of course, today, your game prep isn't just going out the field and running back and forth and stretching and throwing the ball. It's video. Tons video of Video after video after video. And I wonder if these guys are just screwing off instead of watching video or watching video that maybe they're watching, you know, Ball Patrol and instead of the I mean, if coming you, up against. If you are really studying this game and you are really putting in the work, which you should be doing when you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a kid's game, you you do improve. You do show signs of improvement. Studying works. Practicing works. We know this. These are not crazy theories that two guys on a podcast and and our our slew of listeners uh, only understand these are these are tried and true techniques to improve at a sport are studying the game watching game film practicing fundamentals practicing scenarios we just pathetic we got to take our break there um but we'll talk about our, our playoff predictions uh which i'm sure will be spot on uh <laughs> as we move forward uh right here in just a second we'll be back on sharing socks mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We dissected the Rick Hahn debacle uh, from earlier this week, which is just, I'm going to be mad about that for a long time. So let's move on to a a, a new topic. Uh, The season is over completely. There's no chance at a game 163 today. There are no more game 163s, which I don't love because I love I love game 163s, but I understand it. I understand the new format. Uh, moving forward, we will be moving forward with only the Cleveland Guardians from the Central playing in the postseason, which makes sense because it was a bunch of bad teams. Uh, what do you think? What the, do you White think? Sox, the White Sox actually uh, – lost the season series to three of the teams. <laughs> Absolutely. We held the tiebreaker only over the Detroit Tigers, which <laughs> if there's a sentence that I think sums up this, without getting into all the politics of baseball, if there's a sentence that sums up how absolutely dreadful this season was, it's this. We only hold the tiebreaker over the Detroit Tigers, uh, which actually in my preseason predictions – uh, with that, I, I do a group uh, of predictions with a bunch of famous producers and writer guys. And uh, my big bold move was I put the Tigers in a wild card spot, uh, which <laughs> thank God that didn't come true, or we wouldn't be able to say that sentence about the White Sox <laughs> and the Tigers. Um, but yeah, so what do you what do you think moving forward? You got the Yankees and the Astros, obviously. Uh, are looking the best. Aaron Judge got home run number 62, so they don't have that distraction at all moving forward. What What do you got? Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for a fair amount of chalk in both leagues, but not total. I am going to start out with uh, Tampa at Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to win. Cleveland's been on a really big roll. They're at home for the three games. They've got the pitchers to go through three games very easily. Uh, I th- I think they'll take that. They may take it in two. Uh, and they'll be better off if they do. And the I'm gonna, other one. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I, I think Cleveland is, uh, especially with the momentum they have right now, they're an ideal team for a three-game series. Uh, they are just going to be really, really hard to beat unless the series goes long and people start getting tired. Um or if they're head-to-head against uh, another team that's elite like that in terms of what they can put out there uh, in in the first two games, which I do think Cleveland has a good shot of winning that series two games to none. But as we know, the Rays, you never know. You never Rays, know Rays, yeah. I mean, you've got the, probably the two best managers of baseball facing each other, so it's going to be an, an interesting series. Uh, but I, I do. Th- I think uh, what will really put uh, Cleveland over the top too is you get to the playoffs. Bullpens are really critical, and they have a, a very nice bullpen and probably the best closer in in the league as well. Uh, so the other one that, that we've got is you're wearing a Seattle Mariners hat. Uh, Mariners are in Toronto. The uh, rules are off in Canada, so everybody gets to play. Uh, um, the COVID rules, baseball rules still apply. <laughs> Um, I we're going to disagree on this one because I'm 
going to go with Toronto. Well, I don't think that's a bad prediction. Um, this Seattle team is certainly a team that's going to be a World Series contender probably starting next year and moving forward for a good chunk of time. It's an incredible team of young talent. Uh, they didn't necessarily come into the end of the season with the type of momentum that we saw from Cleveland. They finished strong, but not absurdly strong. They've ended up. And Toronto finished, finished well too. I mean, they had, they had yeah. a real slump in there, but then they recovered. I mean, that series just comes down to whose offense shows up. These are, these are teams that have very uh, flighty offenses and are both capable of major run production. Whichever offense shows up is likely to win. And with the Blue Jays getting this series at home, uh, I think that you're probably right that Toronto will be the team to move on. Uh, and I think Toronto could be a little more competitive moving forward than Seattle against uh, one of the two top two teams in the AL. Move to the NL. What do you got? Uh, I am going to go with an upset in one of them. I'm going to pick, and I, I feel like this is not sensible at all, but I'm going to pick the Phillies over the Cardinals. Whoa. Why is that? Any team in the NL Central has an easier schedule than even the AL Central. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I, are the Cardinals the better team? Yeah. And, and, and the, the Phillies were, yeah, but I just, there's going to be an upset by somebody in that first round. And I'm going to go with it, it being the Phillies. And then, uh, we've got the, uh, the Padres at, uh, the Mets, the Mets are going to win that very easily. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we'd be having a different conversation about the Padres if Tatis hadn't gotten the big uh, yeah. uh, PED ban. Um, unfortunately, that kind of, I think, solidified how far the Padres can go in the season. But they do have some very good starting pitchers. And if those starting pitchers show up, it's going to be uh -huh. tough. I mean, if you get Blake Snell on a great day, if you get Yu Darvish on a great day, uh, if you get Joe Musgrove on a great day, that is a really tough group of starters to beat. Uh, that being said, the Mets, especially getting it at home, I think it's going to be really tough to beat them. They just, they have an electric offense and some of these Mets pitchers are also fire. So yeah. I, I agree. When it comes to the Phillies and the Cardinals, I think I'm going to go against your bold take. Uh, <laughs> the Phillies just always seem to be a disappointment. So that's, that's why, that's why I think, you know, they're kind of due to come through on something. Are they? I mean, the, the Cubs were due for 150 <laughs> years or whatever that was. It took a long time. <laughs> Uh, I think the Cardinals are just too experienced and too good of a playoff team. Um, they seem to always be in the playoffs, and they seem to always do well in the playoffs. Plus, they have, you know, Pujols and Molina, who combined have played in 8,500 playoff games. Uh, Adam Wainwright, who was there for all 8,500 of those. Uh, it certainly is a series I think the Phillies could win, but... Playing in St. Louis is really tough. 
That's a really, really good fan base. Those games will be absolutely packed. It will be electric in there. I just don't see a world where the Phillies can overcome that with the talent they have right now, uh, especially since they have to be using guys a lot later in the year uh, to get to the playoffs, whereas St. Louis was able to relax a little bit right there towards the end. I'm going to go with St. Louis. I'm going to go with the Mets. I'm going to go with the Mariners just because I want them to win. Uh <laughs> And then uh, I'm going to go with Cleveland, which I think uh, will be really interesting. The Guardians, I mean, this is a team that we sat on this podcast all year and kept saying, well, we don't have to really worry about the Guardians. Like, no, no, but no, no, very early in the season. No, we thought they'd be good, but we never thought like, oh, we, this we is We thought the, World the team Series to worry contender. about was not Minnesota. It was For Cleveland. Sure. We agreed on that. For sure. But I, I just mean like in terms of at no point where we like Cleveland is a World Series contender. <laughs> no, Cleveland's that, a, that's, that's true. And I honestly don't know now. I They're so red hot. And, you know, if their offense can get going at all, they have the speed, the defense, and the pitching of a championship team. They do. It, it, they are exciting oh, yeah. to watch. Absolutely. They, take risks. I, I, they have a great manager. I mean, the recipe is there except for the bats after you get through the first four or five batters. If the bottom of that lineup can show up at all, I'm talking just, you know, 250 batting average through this thing. Cleveland is dangerous. They are a dangerous, dangerous team. I I actually think they're going to win two rounds. I I think they're going to upset the Yankees. Whoa. I think they have no chance against Houston because Houston has everything Cleveland has plus power. Yeah. I, I think Houston is, is the class of the league easily. Now, as soon as I say that, they won't, they won't make it out of the, their first round, but I, but I, I'm, I'm going to, now, of course, if Cleveland doesn't get out of the first round, I will revise my theory. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting how we're able to do that here on our uh, highly unofficial podcast. Um, yes, I'm sure I will be revising my theories after every series doesn't go the way I predict it moving forward. Um, so as of right now, today, October 6th, who is your World Series pick? And we'll update, we'll update this next week after the wild card round. But let's just say World Series. You don't have to go through the going Who's going to win it? Who's going to win it all? Houston. What? It's going to it's going to be chalk. It's going to be the Dodgers and the Astros. The Dodgers are going to be going. This is revenge. We get even for those cheaters in 2017. We got them now. We really have them, and they'll be kind of overwrought. And Houston will beat them. Houston first three pitchers are no. Dodgers have excellent pitching too. No, no question about that. But boy, I you just don't I, want I, to. Burlander and Valdez and well-rested McCullers who had most of the season yeah. out. I, I mean, I agree. I, I, I'm going to go with the Dodgers just because uh, that lineup and, and the pitching is, it's just endless. Um, but I do think that Houston and LA is the world series we deserve. I mean, if you have those two teams going up against each other, even get rid of the cheating scandal storyline of the whole thing. Uh, those are the two 
most exciting teams to see matched up in terms of, of pitchers and in terms of hitters uh, for a World Series. It, the, the Yankees and Dodgers, of course, would be very exciting. Um, it's probably... Historically, it's, yeah. It's the matchup that the network TV, uh, Fox or whoever it is right now, who has the rights, they're sitting around going, please, 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 give me Yankees and Dodgers, give me Yankees <laughs> and Dodgers, which ultimately means we're going to end up with uh, Tampa versus San Diego the <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the World Series, and we're going to have a whole bunch of uh, two two to nothing games. Um, but that is all the time we have for today. Uh, the season is over. Thank goodness we can uh, breathe a sigh of devastating relief. Uh, that's a new coined phrase I'm going to give about being a White Sox fan. Uh, season's over. We don't have to worry about this nonsense anymore. I, I would assume as we podcast through the playoffs and through the World Series before we take our, our break, uh, we could see some movement on things, or we could see absolutely well, no you know, movement. You won't see anything. any movement because free agency doesn't exist till the day after the World Series, and then the teams that have them have uh, I, unique rights so, for five days. I more so mean just in terms of chatter and and perspective oh, yeah. things. Well, that and could of course, you can hire a manager. I I don't know that you can hire a manager who's with a playoff team. Uh, yeah, you know, even a bench not. coach on a playoff team. So the, so the guys, you know, you look at bench coaches in, in Tampa Bay, for example, you, you've got a really excellent choice there. I wanted Sandy Alomar last night. We were out before the roof fell in with this stupid. But apparently he got really tired of being interviewed and overlooked by teams and is just waiting for Frank Kona to retire so he can manage the – the guardians, which is fine. Uh, I think he'd be great. Uh, but we're, yeah, I mean, probably next week we'll, there'll be so much talk about the new manager that we, we will enter into it. Uh, and or play that game. knowing Ryan Storfon and Williams, we'll go into spring training next year with no manager. <laughs> and it'll just be a really exciting time to watch the, we'll, we'll do like a player manager thing, like some fall leagues where you don't even have to. Maybe Ryan Storff could appoint himself as the manager. You know, just Might to, as well. Just, you know, he's an old guy. He wants to prove that old guys can do this. You know, why, why try to fix up the, the Titanic after it hits the iceberg? <laughs> Just let that baby go down. Let it, let it sink. That is all the time we have this week on Sharing Socks. Uh, we will stay with you through playoff baseball and, uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty good October, pretty good November. Uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next week on Sharing Socks.